Hello, this is Dr. Nancy O'Reilly, and you're listening to Smart Amazing Conversations with Dr. Nancy. You know, supporting women is my passion, my purpose, and finding other women and men who lift women up is my absolute favorite thing to do. Their stories are inspiring, and they help us all understand that we can all succeed if we support each other in our work and in our lives. These amazing conversations gave me the stories and wisdom from my earlier book, Leading Women. And they've also inspired my new book, which came out in 2019, In This Together, How Successful Women Support Each Other in Work and Life. Now this week, I'm pleased to welcome Monica Nirugawa. She is just a wonderful, wonderful human being doing some amazing things. Monica is committed to lifting girls out of a life of poverty and gender inequality in the slums of Uganda. Just as boys are taught to man up, Monica and her United States friend Jennifer wanted girls to girl up and realize their power and their strength as girls. They co-founded Girl Up Initiative Uganda, an organization that is mobilizing education mentoring and empowering girls and young women in life skills for self-protection against sexual and gender-based violence. And they started with only 100 U.S. dollars. Monica has used her exceptional leadership skills and passion for making life better for girls by organizing trainings and educational campaigns, mobilizing communities and human relations to turn Girl Up Uganda into a vibrant organization to build a future for girls. Monica holds an MA in Education, Gender and International Development from the University City of London and a BA in Adult and and Community Education from Macquarie University. She has been an Obama African Leader Fellow, Perennial Fellow, Accordis Fellow, and African Visionary Fellow with the Siegel Family Foundation. I'm so very pleased to welcome Monica to Smart Amazing Conversations with Dr. Nancy. Welcome, Monica. Hi, Monica. Hi, Nancy. So nice to, you know, finally connect with you. <laughs> wow. You know what? We women, once we once we are determined, we can do anything. Such a Absolutely. Pleasure. Such a pleasure meeting you. Um, I've had the pleasure of being in Africa s- several times, Ethiopia, and then I was in mm-hmm. Kenya, uh, mm-hmm. the Masmara. I've been in Nairobi. I've been around uh, Africa quite a bit. So I don't think people realize how big Africa is and not yes. even, not even mm-hmm. talk about South, a- South Africa. But uh, yeah. anyway, I think we sent you some information about uh, Convoy of Hope. So I hope we... We can chat about that too, but let's talk about you. Let's talk about your program. How exciting. You and your co-founder, Kimberly, started this. Well, first of all, let's talk about you. I want to, I want to hear your personal story. I always start out. This is storytelling. Storytelling okay. is so important because when we share with other women, we find that there's such a, an important connection that occurs. And I know when you're talking to the girls, there's always something that you relate to. So how did you get to be you, the person I'm talking to today? I think how I got to be this person today, 
starts when I was nine years old, because I remember that as an adolescent that time, uh, there was just so much not making sense in my home. Uh, in terms of uh, basic necessities for me as a girl, uh, being in a family that was already broken, your parents living apart, you know, and experiencing violence firsthand when you see your parents fighting, mm-hmm. disagreeing in front, in front of you, and just seeing that um, in terms of school that I always, I mean, when it came to school, the priority in the girl was really not, you know, considered. Yeah. Yeah. So yeah. I really felt as a child that this was unfair. But again, as a child, sometimes, you know, you just brush it off and proceed. Yeah. So I remember that I always didn't have the luxuries of shoes, the luxury of a set, like a, a mathematical set at school. So I didn't have m- many of those things. But I would say my parents really struggled so hard to get those things for my brother. Mm-hmm. So yeah. I kept on feeling that there was inequality and injustice in my own family. So again, when I was in, in, in like elementary school, I remember I really wanted to be a leader because I felt that you know, connection to, to be a school leader and all that. Mm-hmm. But I was denied the opportunity because I wasn't that girl with shoes. And for them having, you know, a prefect or a school leader who didn't have a pair of shoes was embarrassing. So I missed out on opportunities because I didn't have what they required. So when I moved to secondary school, I went to a Catholic nun's school. Mm-hmm. And instead, uh, I met my, you know, head teacher who was also my teacher. And instead, she gave me hope. She's that one person who gave me a new beginning like she she assured me i see leadership in you i think you can actually be a good leader and i'm like no i don't think i can be a leader i don't have this like no but i think you can be a leader so my school teacher really helped me tap into myself like help me find myself because i'd grown up knowing that i'm not worthy you know i'm not the best you're always in self-doubt and instead my teacher in my high school shows me that actually you you can do this you're talented so it helped me so much i remember that my grades began to improve just with the self acknowledgement from my teacher just telling me you can that encouragement of you can do it it helped me improve yeah. my self esteem improve my grades that it was always nice to be out of home because i knew i was in a safe environment that believed in me so when I head out to university, meanwhile, as I studied, I kept on studying while being just home because school was a challenge. Again, I was always the second to go to school. They first had to clear my younger brother. Mm-hmm. His fees would be cleared first before mine. So usually my education would be compromised. And at some point I had to work while studying as a kid that I used to help my mom in bars. You know, and these are bars where people go take alcohol, which is not safe, again, for yeah. an adult. Um, right, where you great environment. Mm-hmm. Just, the environment wasn't really supportive, but that was the kind of work my mother used to do. And I had to help her for us to get, you know, an income. I talk about the nine years experience was I used to go to a, another town on a boat, take a boat, go to another town and ferry sugar canes, bring those sugar canes and sell them. 
So again, my entrepreneurial spirit started when I was nine. And because, you know, the situation that I faced then forced me to really do things that I wouldn't have done as a child. So, you know, going to university on merit, I performed so well, went to university on merit. When I graduated from university for my first degree, I felt that urge, you know, it's like I had accumulated hunger, hunger to respond to the injustices that had been experienced. And so when I graduated, I would say that education really helped transform my ideas into reality, that I was able to understand uh, issues of patriarchy, issues of gender bias, like I was able to relate all those things to my own experience and saying, you know what, I think this has to stop and it has to stop with me. And so when I left university, I got a job with a women's rights organization where I worked for six years. But there I focused on, you know, women's rights and empowerment. Monica, what was the name of that group, the women's rights rights group that you joined? What was the, the name? The women's rights group was called the Mentoring and Empowerment Program for Young Women. It was a small organization. Uh-huh. So okay. in the six years of working, I still felt that we addressed issues of women. I had the burning desire to address issues of adolescent girls because I knew that for change to happen, it has to happen when a, when a girl is in her you know, adolescent years. Absolutely. It, change has to happen when she's still naive, when you know the world hasn't taken over to tell her the do's and don'ts. She needs to get accurate information as she matures into a young adult. So I felt that if we are to have long-lasting change that will bring about strong and empowered women, then there was need to invest in the adolescent girls. And so I left that job. It was a very comfortable job, but I left it, you know, around 2015 and began doing Gallup full-time because had begun, you know, doing some work of training girls in school, but it was more like a part-time kind of role. And I felt that for any business to grow, especially at its infancy, it's very important to to give it the time because the vision was with me. So for me to be up and about, this vision wasn't materializing. So in 2015, I just decided to focus full-time on Gala. Much as the dream, the, the idea of saying this is it was on my birthday in 2012. I, I was with Kimberly and I'm like, Kim? You met Kimberly. Where did you meet Kimberly? Didn't you meet online somewhere? How did that, how did that come about? So I met Kimberly because we happened to work in the same, in the same office because Kimberly previously worked for the Global Fund for Women. So she had come to Uganda to travel, but also to to, to volunteer with nonprofits before she headed to South Africa for her master's program. So we met in the same work environment. And, you know, we went out, you know, to have a glass of wine on my 25th birthday. So I told her, Kim, I really have this desire. I shared my story. I really feel so much can be done in my community. So... I told her, can I take you to my community in the slums where, you know, I live? And she was very excited. So when we got into the community, she saw the realities of, you know, a slum population, 
and she's like, I think we can do this. She was a little pessimistic because she said, having come from a donor world, she wasn't sure if, you know, a startup could, you know, gain momentum or support. And I told her that at that point, I didn't need money. I was the capital. Like, I knew that I could speak. I knew that I can do it for starters. I told her, don't worry about money. I'll start and we see where it goes. So as she was leaving, she left me with a hundred dollars and she's like, okay, let's see what you can do with a hundred dollars. And so I used the hundred dollars to mobilize, uh, to provide snacks for children. And that's how really we began doing programming uh, in early 2013, starting with one school. Right now we are in 20 schools doing these programs whole year. So it really began, you know, the woman that I am today was really pushed by, you know, the experiences I went through, but instead not looking at those experiences and being regretful about them, but looking at them in terms of they presented an opportunity for me to serve, not only to serve my family, but to serve my community and, you know, to serve all girls in this country. When I look at our work in the last seven or so years, I feel that, I mean, it's the best thing that has really happened to me because I've seen lives transform. I've seen people regain hope. I've seen adolescents feel that that they have a space to amplify their voices. And that is what we do. But again, the most important thing that you're saying, and and I want to make sure that we get this point out, is that someone believed in you your teacher said to you monica you can do this and and i think that's the most important thing that these programs do for women and for girls is that basically they say someone says that you have value someone says you can do it and now you're passing that along to all these other girls you said you have 20 schools is that correct yes we are operating in 20 schools now in the adolescent girls program fantastic so okay let's talk a little bit about the programs that you are offering and like i said the schools that we worked in the girl empowerment programs that i saw when i went to uh, i went to ethiopia and also in uh, kenya most importantly they were getting the sanitary products they needed to go to school they were getting uniforms to go to school they were getting books to go to school And then they were, of course, having meals at the schools, which some of the children would not have meals later. But again, the most important thing is someone said you're important. Someone said you can do this. Okay, so your programs, 20 schools, what what do you emphasize? What do you, I know we can talk a little bit about the sex education, but you're really talking about a cultural change, a very big cultural change. Absolutely. So in the adolescent girls program, just like my own experience where my high school teacher actually helped me realize the value that I had as a young person. So equally in this program, our role is to help girls find themselves. Mm -hmm. Because sometimes as as part of the cultural system, a girl grows up knowing that she's not important, She grows up knowing that uh, she's meant to get married. She grows up, you know, knowing that she doesn't need to look into the eyes of the person when communicating. So you find that all these cultural stereotypes, 
is what this girl is accustomed to. So that program helps girl actually look at a new reality, help them see that, you know, they have a voice, uh, help them see that it starts with them and they have the power to change or even determine the kind of destiny. Yeah. Of course, process, and that's why really we believe so much in mentorship of girls. Because we know it's about someone else, you know, recognizing, acknowledging, and walking that journey with you. Of course, mentorship has its own challenges sometimes. As you speak to these girls, yes, they will assure you that they understand the issues you're talking about. But again, these are the same girls grappling with poverty, grappling with lack of sanitary pads, you know, and then of course they'll miss schools on the days they are menstruating. These are girls who go hungry during the school term. Yes. So over the time, we've realized that as we work on issues of social empowerment for girls, we need a holistic model. That as you work on the social aspects of girls' empowerment or girls' education, you need to bring on board the economic aspect as well. Because even when a girl has information, for example, around taking care of herself and making sure that she's not exploited. If this girl is going hungry, having no pads, and there's someone else out there willing to give her the things and exploit her, she may opt that way. So what yeah. our program does is not only the social, but also to introduce them that even as a child, even as a young person, you can actually be creative and learn some of these creative skills. It could be making sanitary pads, it could be, you know, making earrings. Sure. So that as the girls grow their life. Starting businesses so they can be self-sustaining. Okay, so you've got 20 schools. How many people have graduated from your program? How many girls have gone through your program? You said you started in 2015, so you've had uh, five years. Of, uh, so I would assume some of the girls have gone through the programs. And what are they doing today? So our programs started in 2013, much as I became full-time oh, okay. in 2015. Okay. So we've graduated over, I would say over 5,000 girls in one particular program, the adolescent oh, wow. girls program. That's, that's fantastic. Because, yes, when we started, we, we started with one school. Yeah. And the ideology of this program is that for each school, we shall enroll 80 girls into the program. So it means that this year we have 80 girls in 80 school, which is about, it's about 2,250 girls in the program. So when we are able to raise money that helps us get into different schools, then that means even the number of girls that benefit from the program equally increases. So that the numbers have been increasing from year to year. Of yeah. course, this year, has been our biggest because last year we we're only in 14 schools but this year we are operating with 20 schools yeah so so what are you seeing I, you know i know you said the rewarding thing is watching these girls but what are you seeing that's most important that these girls are coming out with what what are they saying to you what what are you noticing about how they're how they're going about their lives now i think the most rewarding is just seeing their levels of confidence improve yeah. I know sometimes confidence is something that um, maybe some children easily adapt to depending on where they've grown up, how they are nurtured. But in my own cultural setting, a girl, you know, should be this, you know, 
quiet, not loud, but I see the girls graduate with confidence, being able to ask questions, yeah. being able to report uh, cases of violence. For me, that is powerful, that yeah. a girl is beginning to find her voice. A girl is beginning to, you know, to connect with herself and she knows what is good, what is not good, and speaking out against what is not good and seek for help. Yeah. Because I know that as a cultural thing, it's so, as women, we rarely you know, speak out and ask for help. As women, we do not ask for help because we've internalized the injustices, we've internalized the violence, and we feel it's okay. And mm -hmm. somehow we even adapt coping mechanisms that work for us. Yeah. But yeah. we are trying to change that narrative for girls to realize that you shouldn't stay silent in case violence happens to you. If this happens, that's why you need to talk about it, you need to confront it, you need to report to the police. So I think for me the biggest is just seeing their confidence levels rise. Yeah. And yeah. even with their confidence levels, you see that their participation in class has improved. You see that some of them will contest for leadership in their schools. So confidence and finding your voice has a lot to do with helping girls, you know, navigate all the other exciting things about growing up as an adolescent, growing up as a woman. Yeah. Well, you know, in the girl and, girl and women empowerment programs with Convoy of Hope, the thing that we noticed mostly, uh, which was most important, is that they would basically they bring other other women along and they bring they help other girls too. So I, I think that's a, a huge value too is that once women do really find their voices and really do feel that empowerment, they're they're able to pass that along to other women and other girls. Is that something you've noticed as well? Absolutely. And that's why we really believe in women. I believe in women because when you pass on to a woman the right information, then you're very sure she's going to disseminate this information to her children. Yeah. So it's very important because the, the return on investment on, you know, enlightening and sensitizing women is really high because yeah. women, we have a character of wanting to share whatever yeah. we know. So yeah. it's important that we know the truth, that we speak the truth. Then we can actually share that wisdom to other women. Absolutely. This is an extremely important program. Let me ask you a question. What does your mother think about what you've done and what you're doing now? My mom is a very proud mother. Uh, she's one who, you know, stands out in the community and shares her experience, you know, of how patriarchy had made her believe on, on the value of a girl versus a boy. She's yeah. now like a change agent in the community when I need support with community elders, she's the one who goes and seeks for the help because she knows them. So she's actually become a positive agent for change, just telling parents that yeah. it's very important to invest in girl children, just like you're investing in boy children. She's one of the most supportive parents right now that she, I have a son and other adopted children, but she takes care of all my children as I do this work because wow. now she understands the value of this work. Oh. So you have become a mother-daughter duo now. <laughs> yes, yes, I have become yeah. one, yeah. Fantastic. Okay, so what are the rewards, but what are your challenges? I think one of my challenges is the fact that we are doing this work, but the need is quite huge, yeah. and you cannot be able to, to reach out to 
all the girls who need to be reached out at the moment. Of course, there are so many reasons that stop us from um, reaching out so many. One of them is the fact that sometimes we are limited by funding available, yeah. uh, but also the program I'm talking about is a very, you know, it's, um, it's, it uses more of a deeper approach to empowerment where we don't just do one-off, you know, talks and conversations and leave. We really walk the journey with, you know, with this girl, with this family. So this kind of program doesn't allow us to stretch so thin yeah. because we want to make sure that we are doing it right. And just, you know, knowing that if we touch 2,500 girls also this year, we know that has a replicator level. Like it, it replicates in its own way. So you find that the need is there. Everyone says we need Gallup. We need Gallup in our communities. Yeah. But right yeah. now we do not have the capacity to stretch. Yeah. Even the funding well, available doesn't allow us. You know, well, well, you know, Monica, Monica, we have so many similar issues going on in the United States as well. You know, gender equality and gender, gender equity continues to be an issue for women in the United States, which is really hard to believe that we don't have the leadership that, that other countries have. You know, Iceland has, a, has a, a president. I mean, we don't have that leadership yet. And it's really, it's, it's an ongoing issue for all women. I mean, but you can't be what you can't see. And this is what, you know, I've been doing for over 30 plus years is helping women to find their voices and to see how what they can become. But again, women supporting women is the key. And of course, the men also, we, we have to have support from everyone. But when boys and girls see women and men coming together, especially women supporting other women, I think anything is possible. Do you, what do you think of that? I believe you 100%. And I think if we are to fix even leadership crisis in the world, then yeah. women need to take charge of the world. Well, because I, think, I think, Monica, it's time for you and I to take charge. <laughs> <Don't you think? laughs> it's time. That's why I keep telling people, it's time, you know. So, I, I, Monica, I have three daughters also. So, for me, this is, this is my legacy. My legacy is to pass along the importance of women taking the leadership role, but working collaboratively with men to support the efforts so that we all eventually have gender equality and leadership for men and women in all sectors. So I know our job isn't over, but it's so wonderful to hear about your program and what you're doing. Uh, as I said, I've been to, uh, been to Africa and I know that women's issues and girl issues are huge, but you are definitely right on track and, and doing the things that most importantly, the earlier we can start with young girls and boys, to understand that we're, we're all equally important, I think the better off this world will be. There's no doubt in my mind. So what is it you need? What does the Girls Up need? I know that Fifth Element has helped, and I know you've had assistance from other people. In fact, Women Connect for Good has also supported your efforts. But what do you need right now other than, well, I know you need money, but what, do you, what, what are your needs right now? Our needs right now, programmatically, of course, you know, going through the current crisis, yeah. uh, we are into the process of figuring out how do we continue to operate amidst the pandemic, because yeah. we know this is not something that is ending, you know, very soon, but again, we have to find ways. So in terms of 
knowledge, resources, tools that could be useful to, you know, sharpen our programming to fit the changing world circumstances that we are right now in, that would be very useful. But yeah. also what we need is uh, partnerships with different organizations, people who are doing similar work, yeah. just seeing how they are doing it, sharing knowledge, whatever it is, partnerships are really, really crucial because I know part of our growth has been because we've worked in partnerships. We've not yeah. done this, you know, created this alone. So many organizations have offered us advice, support, resources, uh, helped us tap into different networks, so all those are needs that we require at this particular time. Yeah. Well, yeah. I, I hope that you've had an opportunity or will have an opportunity to talk with Convoy of Hope. Dory Donaldson and her husband and brother were the founders of Convoy. And basically, Dory has, she's been kind of the leadership for the Girls and the Women Empowerment Program. But you're doing the same things. And I really believe that if you connect with this organization, which is in multiple countries, it's not just in one country, it's in multiple countries, Haiti, Philippine, the Philippines, the Dominion Republic, uh, you know, they're all over the world making a difference for girls and women. And they, and they really have a, an excellent program. So my wish for you is that you do collaborate and you connect with Convoy. I think, uh, I think we've given you some information, but we'll give that to, to you again. But I, I absolutely agree with you. You know, when we find others that are doing the same thing, we can have the resources, share the resources, and share all the things that, that are so important for these programs to be successful. And those dollars, those dollars as well, because I know funders, when they look at organizations, they ask, who are you collaborating with? Who are you, who's supporting you? Who are you supporting? And, and so those, those relationships are so key to the success of all programs. So. Uh, we will get you more information again, but all right. So how do they find out more about your program, your website? Where can they go to find more up about girls, uh, girls, the girl up initiative? So all our social media handles are at galluganda.org at galluganda.org. We on Instagram, we on Facebook, uh, we on Twitter as well. So, and people can follow us, follow us back, send us maybe a message. We shall respond in the shortest time possible. Yes, that's how they can reach out to us. Our website is also at gallupuganda.org. Yes, those are the, some of the channels that they can use to reach to us. Okay. Well, as you know, we will, uh, Women Connect for Good, we will continue to support you. And the fifth element that I'm also involved with, we will find ways to continue to involve you and support you. Uh, Convoy, I'd love for you to talk to them and to see if there can be some collaboration for sure. But thank you for your passion. Thank you for being so courageous. And thank you for what you're doing in the world to make it a better place for all of us. Thank you so much, Dr. Nancy, for creating this platform for us to speak to each other, encourage each other, and build each other. I do appreciate Well, I consider us to be friends and collaborators now so that we will be in touch but let us know how we can continue to support you as well and, and as i said uh, we are developing this community of like-minded women and you are one of those women thank you thank, thank you thank you so much for your time and best wishes many blessings thank you so much